What is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. Yes, sir, Mr. Ducksworth. Thank you very much, Mr. Ducksworth. Quack, 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 Mr. Ducksworth. That is hard and to say. W- and welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, your one and only Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That is you guys. By the fans, that is us. As always, intro and outro music is provided by Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out on OceansOverAirplanes.com. So Paul and I are sitting here tonight, and as expected with the number one pick, the Suns walked away with DeAndre Ayton. Uh, made a trade in the middle of the first round to pick up Mikhail Bridges, then drafted Elia Kobo with their first pick of the second round, and with their second pick of the second round, picked George King out of Colorado. Two Pac-12 guys. All right. So, as we all expected, DeAndre Aiden picked number one by the Suns. Suns Twitter, I feel, Paul, has been losing their minds over this over the past couple months, particularly in the past week or so. Uh, But Aiden's the choice, and now we can all either continue loving him or learn to love him, right? Hopefully we can all heal and come back back to the ways of just supporting the Suns and getting annoyed by them not doing what we want them to do. No, no, no. Podcast of optimism, Paul. We are going to be just fine. This is the start of a brand new era for the Phoenix Suns. Or I guess the capping of the timeline. Yeah, so it would be a new era. It's no longer the timeline. Like We're now hopefully progressing past the timeline and into whatever the timeline was leading into, which would hopefully be some rings? Rings? Some rings, but... At any rate, we're jumping ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about the draft, shall we? Yes. Paul, I feel like we've talked DeAndre Ayton to death over the past, well, I've been doing it since like November. (laughs) So I don't know that we really need to go into a whole lot with, thank you, uh, uh, into a whole lot with DeAndre Ayton. But if you have any thoughts, comments, or anything, feel free. If not, we'll jump into the rest of the guys that the Suns added to the team this this evening. And my only thought is I'm looking forward to checking them out. in a couple weeks at Summer League. Yes, and that is a great point. Paul and I are going to be making the trip again to Summer League this year. If anybody is also going, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know. We can all hang out, grab a beer together, do whatever. Maybe watch some basketball. Who knows? So It'll be a good time. It was last it year. Will, it, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll move on then past Aiton because I think the most interesting part of the evening, at least for me and based Gambo. on Twitter for Twitter and definitely, definitely for Gambo, uh, was about that 30-minute period between you know pick 10 and pick 16. So Paul's reference to Gambo, in case anybody out there is unaware, John Gambadoro works for one of the big sports radio stations out here, is kind of the Suns guy, has been for a while. So uh, when the, I believe, Clippers were on the clock the first time they're in the first round. He tweeted out that the Suns were working a trade with the Clippers to move up to that spot, which started making everybody think that maybe the Suns are going to go after MPJ, Michael Porter Jr. here, after he had dropped, presumably because of whatever medical reasons are being seen through his you know reports. Um, but that drop was a, a pretty steep drop, and he's a guy that if healthy can turn into a very, very good NBA player, if not a all-star slash superstar level type guy. But again, that's assuming health. And that type of slide certainly indicates that there is a serious problem. So obviously that yes. ended up not being the case. There was no trade-up. Twitter was definitely getting excited. 
definitely getting excited during that drop and knowing that the Suns were interested in potentially moving up. Right, and then it it went to a whole new level once Gambo tweeted that out. But as we all know, that did not come to fruition. Gambo tweeted out shortly thereafter. Oh, sorry, it was the Hornets trading with the Clippers, not the Suns. Okay, thanks, Gambo. Everybody got all excited about that. So shortly thereafter, we get to that 16th pick, the Suns pick, and Gambo tweets out yet again that the Suns are going to pick Dante DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo. Dante DiVincenzo. Which, eh, you know, people are kind of like, you know, not, not exactly super excited about that, but so be it. But, and again, according to Gambo, about 30 seconds before the Suns were about to make that pick, Philly called and offered Mikhail Bridges for the 16th pick and for Miami's 2021 first round pick. And as we all know, the deal got done. So after all that hoopla, the Suns end up with Mikhail Bridges as uh, their second pick of the draft, I guess. Uh, The overall number 10 pick, uh, he again originally went to Philly. And in Mikhail Bridges, they get a guy that's projected as a 3 and D type player, which is something the Suns certainly need. Uh, he's a, 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 a wing out of Villanova. Last year, averaged 17.7 points a game, 5.3 rebounds, a steal and a half, and 1.1 blocks. Uh, he's, a, I would say, excellent shooter. He shot yeah. 43.5% from three-point range last year and wasn't on you know a couple of attempts a game. He was taking six a game. So the initial reaction that I think a lot of people had once they found out that that Miami pick was involved was that maybe that was a bit of a high price. Uh, Paul, what do you think about that? What do you think about this trade? Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I definitely have to study up a little bit on Mikhail Bridges because he wasn't really in the range of, that range of players that I did any type of research on. I would look more at the top five guys and the guys right around the 16. Mikhail Bridges kind of fell in that weird window there in between. Um, just I d- only have so much bandwidth to kind of pay attention to all these various players. So I'm definitely going to do some research. But my initial uh, reading up on him and looking at uh, um, various uh, profiles, he fits exactly what the Suns need um, from the standpoint of he's not – like a shot creator, so he doesn't really need the ball in his hands. We've got a handful of shot creators on the team right now and guys who do need the ball in their hands, but he can definitely stroke it. And also his defense paired with Josh Jackson could be um, a really nice wing tandem there that can shut some guys down and help um, alleviate some of the concerns about uh, Booker's defense and even – the con- some of the concerns possibly about Aiden's defense. Um, with regards to the overall trade, I know the con- the biggest concern everybody has is that Miami 2021 pick because it's unprotected. And the Suns didn't, though had the potential to, just because of the rule changes in recent years, add new protections onto that pick. Um, I know it, the deal happened pretty quickly and probably just McDonough probably had to go with his gut a little bit. And make that decision. I wouldn't have hated. I wouldn't have minded maybe some very light protections like top three, but it is what it is. The deal's done. I mean, if we look back at the last time we had an unprotected pick that we traded, that became this top ten pick that we just got <laughs> with Mikhail Bridges. So 
Miami's been a really solid team. Miami's been they they like to stay competitive. They similarly to how the Houston Rockets were when they went through those years trying to do that rebuild from the middle. I think Miami's going to try to do something similar. I can't see them purposely bottoming out and then making that pick be really valuable, but it could happen. Um, like I said, it is what it is. I guess at this point, we just kind of have to root for Miami to be at least mediocre. Sure. And, you know, Bridges projects as a 3 and D guy. His, his defense and the potential of his defensive ability is there. I think there's definitely room and need to improve once he steps up to, this, to the next level here. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if he becomes what people project him to be or what they hope he ends up being, then it's going to be a perfect fit for the Suns in terms of, in terms of need uh, with shooting and the defensive ability. Um, and my thought, too, as far as the cost of the trade, that number one pick or that first round pick from Miami, initially I, I, I kind of hopped on the bandwagon thinking, well, that's a lot to give up. But you step back and look at it. We're now at this point, we've got the timeline that's well into its course we're at what we hope is kind of, I don't want to say, the, again, the end of the timeline, but the timeline's now going to be projecting, moving into a, a, a new era of it, a new part of it. Uh, we've got Booker, we've got Jackson, we've got Bender, we've got Chris, we get Aiton, and if Mikhail Bridges is going to be a guy that's going to round that out and, and give you this nice, solid, young core, then, then so be it. And when you look at it from Ryan McDonough's perspective, that guy is at a point where you know he has his roster now. He has his team, and if he can do something to make that team more competitive right off the bat, then then more power to him. And he frankly kind of has to. I mean, we as Suns fans have been chatting for the past year, year plus, about this whole he needs to use these assets. He can't just hold on to the assets. I think that conversation probably came up initially maybe when the Kyrie Irving idea was being floated around last year. So now he's used at least one of those assets, um, perhaps in doing so creating another asset or two, as we will probably chat about here in a minute. But again, he has to go in on what he's putting together at some point, and if Mikhail Bridges is going to be the guy that rounds that out, then then so be it. Uh, the, the one part of the story that I guess is sad to a certain extent is the fact that Bridges is a Philadelphia kid, stayed home to go to college, won two national titles there, and his freaking mom worked for the 76ers. Yep, and then head to cap of HR. It all off, head of HR, VP of Human Resources. And to cap it all off, he went through an entire press conference with media talking about his new team, the Philadelphia 76ers, all the while having been traded during that press conference, which is kind of a, it's got to be a tough thing for him to go through. Going yeah, from the high of playing for his hometown team to then finding out that he was traded. I'm sure he's still obviously very happy to be in the NBA, but I'm sure that would have been a very ideal situation for him. Yeah, you'd, you'd think that either maybe one of the reporters in the room asking him questions would have possibly mentioned it just to get a reaction, to get that instant reaction because that's like gold for a reporter. Or so maybe somebody from either the league or – one of his people would step in and let him know just so he's not talking about a whole bunch of spouting off a whole bunch of quotes that don't really matter anymore will be rendered entirely moot. Yeah. Well, it didn't happen, but, uh, 
at any rate, I'm 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 happy they ended up getting Mikael Bridges because you're looking at a guy who projects to be a starter in the NBA. And based on, again, Gambo's report, and he had a tough evening, but on his report, uh, had they taken David Vincenzo, did I say it right, Paul? DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo. Uh, then, you know, he's a guy that projects as more of a you know, second guy off the bench or so. Um, so you're getting a better player. You're giving up some assets to do so. But, hey, that's why the assets are there. You can't hold on to them forever. Exactly. Now, I mentioned that in making this trade, we gave up an asset, but perhaps strengthened the likelihood that another asset that we have gets moved along at some point in the not-too-distant future, and, and that, of course, would be T.J. Warren. Now, Paul, what do you think? What do you think this move in drafting Mikhail Bridges, having Josh Jackson already on the roster, what do you think that spells for, for old Tony Buckets? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's moved. I could also, I mean, with the way the, to, to an extent, with the way the league's going with a lot of, like, building around wings, building around these guys that can kind of switch, play multiple t- positions, they could legit maybe keep him around. I don't know. How, I don't really know the flow of who would play and, like, the rotations and whatnot, but they may try keeping him around, maybe play either Jackson or Bridges or even TJ a little bit more at the four, um, go with some smaller lineups like that. Um, you could also run into situations where Booker's playing point and maybe uh, one of those guys plays four and another guy plays uh, plays the two. So they got like a little bit of a bigger lineup. That could be interesting. Um, but at the same time, I know the Suns do still have some upgrades that they can make. There's still a, a need at point guard. I know – they did draft um, Okobo at the thirty with the thirty first pick, but he is a second round pick. You know, the expectations of him coming in immediately and being a difference maker are slim. So the Suns do still need somebody there. I wouldn't be surprised if they go after a vet just to keep the team uh, to have somebody who can kind of control and like not slow down, but keep all these young guys on. T- on pace and within the offense, there's also potentially some moves at that, at that power forward spot. If we want to be like a little bit more traditional, I know people are losing, losing steam on the uh, Bender and Chris trains. So I wouldn't be surprised if those guys get moved in any, in some way as well. It may possibly in a package together with TJ to fit, to uh, shore up one of the, either the power forward or the uh, point guard spot as a, either a trade or as part of maybe like a sign and trade or just to free up space because they want to sign a player in free agency. Yeah, and that all makes sense. And I think you brought up a really good point with, uh, with, with the flexibility that having Warren on the team can give, can give the Suns, especially, like you said, in the evolving NBA and whatnot and there being more focus on the wings. Uh, that, that bonus, I guess you could say, of having three guys the caliber of or at least the expected caliber of Jackson, Bridges, and Warren uh, certainly could could benefit the Suns here moving forward. Uh, but you know, I think at the end of the day, while it can add that flexibility, it it can also similarly just create a logjam where nobody gets in the flow of the game properly and whatnot. Um, and you've got Jackson, you've got Booker, you've got um, Bridges now, and then. With with 
Chris and Bender, they're both kind of, they're not exactly non-wing players. I mean, they're bigs, but they play mostly outside. Um, so there, there, there could be, there could be a logjam there. But one thing that uh, I can't remember who mentioned it, but it was said on Twitter that you can see the Suns trying to do with getting some shooters in this draft, and uh, you know the the development of Booker as a shooter is create a lineup where they're going to be able to give space to Aiton, you know, down low or wherever it is he might be. They're going to have guys that can be threats from outside and from and and Aiton from inside, presumably. And that's going to, you know, perhaps be the type of offensive vision that Kokoshkov is having here. Um, so that, again, I guess, as I'm free throw, free flow thinking here, perhaps makes TJ Warren even more expendable because he's not exactly a big threat from the outside. So I, I do think he'll get moved at some point. Um, I think it'll happen before the trade deadline, but I wouldn't be shocked if... Like you said, he ends up being part of a sign-and-trade or something like that uh, during this offseason because we look at some of the other draft picks that, that went down here this evening, and you have the Atlanta Hawks getting Trey Young. Right. Uh, and they obviously have Dennis Schroeder right now as their, as their point guard. Maybe there's an opportunity there. And I think that you know Schroeder's been one of those guys. He, he had some injury issues this year, um, but ultimately is a – skilled player and I think would be an upgrade over what the Suns have uh, right now. Uh, but speaking of what the Suns have right now, I think we're both just completely ignoring Brandon Knight like we've been doing for a while. But <laughs> you have to remember that he's still there. And if he can get back to being anywhere close to uh, Milwaukee Brandon Knight, then you know having a starting lineup of Knight, Booker, uh, Jackson, Jackson, we'll call it, uh, Chris, we'll call it, and Aiton. That's that. That sounds like an enjoyable lineup to to, to watch, at least as far as I'm concerned. I, I would certainly be excited to watch that team. And I'm you know, after tonight. I, I knew I'd be more excited about watching the Suns after the draft, but uh, tonight definitely solidified my pre-draft thought process in that regard. Yeah, it's definitely going to be. Uh, I'm, but I think that that's part of coming out of the draft. For whatever reason, on paper. McDonough does comes out of the draft with a lot of hype. He comes out looking good. I mean, not everybody's panned out, but comparatively, he gets relatively high grades coming out of the draft. So it's nice from that standpoint because w- with the cycle of sports, every new season there is hope, and so we're we're in that season where it's hope. We have these new fresh faces. We don't know what they could be. They could be amazing. So, and then you have the hope that they will reach those goals. So that's why going out to summer league is fun because we get to see these guys for the first time, see them as sons for the first time and start to like turn that amorphous hope of, Hey, these guys, we saw these guys in college or we've seen some YouTube highlights or whatever from their time overseas to, Oh, now we're physically seeing them in games for our team and seeing what they can do and seeing their potential and seeing what they could grow into and then obviously moving into the season and how that develops as well. So um, the biggest thing with me about to bring it a little back to TJ a little bit, the biggest thing for me is his biggest drawback is he really only provides one thing. He is a scorer and he's not even a a scorer. He's such a traditional scorer that 
I'm not sure he how much he really fits in today's NBA. So that may be the hardest part with regards to moving him. Just because I don't know what team would re- like truly would like pay a premium for his skills. Be- he doesn't really bring much else. He has some rebounding, but he's not a great defender. He's not a good passer at all. He is he is a black hole when he gets that ball. But I mean, I like the guy. He's done well for the Suns in the in the couple years he's been here. Like I said, I wouldn't mind if he's still around. I know things would have to be ironed out with regards to rotations and whatnot. And I hope uh, Kokoshkov is uh, creative enough to figure out how that that would work. But um, in the meantime, I just on paper, he looks like the most expendable asset. Okay, so moving on, we'll move on to the Suns' 31st pick, or the 31st pick of the draft, uh, who is Elia Kobo, a six foot three point guard out of France, playing in the highest league in France this year. Uh, he's six foot three with a six eight wingspan, so he's got some good size, and he's an excellent shooter. Uh, he's shooting 38% from three-point range over there in France this year and shot uh, close to 84% from the line. And according to the scouting reports, he's a knockdown shooter when it's uh, off the dribble as a pull-up shot and is, has an excellent step back as well that comes all the way out to three-point range. So looks like we got a an accomplished European player but perhaps not the accomplished european player that some suns fans wanted the suns to end up with <laughs> uh one thing that was brought up was that he could be a potential guy that stays overseas for a year but it was reported shortly after the pick that he is in fact going to be here this year and presumably then will be at summer league as well uh, yep. which would be another reason to go to summer league or at the very least watch the suns games uh so and he was here i believe actually for the draft yeah I'm not mistaken so even more he definitely reason. had one of the hats. There you go. So again, we'll we'll be having him come in this year. We've got another young point guard, and we can again delve into what that means for some of the other point guards that are on the roster right now in the future. But Paul, what do you think about this Elia Kobo pick? I know he was on the radar. Uh, I don't know with him being you know a a European guy and not one of the big hyped European guys or the big hyped European guy that there were a lot of people that did a whole lot of homework on him. But, Paul, what, what have you heard? What do you think? What do you know about Mr. Okobo? Well, um, shortly after uh, Okobo was drafted, uh, Kellen Olson over from uh, Arizona Sports um, uh, tweeted out an article from the Ste- Stepian, Stepian website. about Stepian that- sounds right. Uh, that did a deep dive into the, this gentleman as and what he could provide to uh, the Suns, and it's it's a very, very good deep article of kind of showing who he is, what his strengths are, what some of his weaknesses are, comparing him to some um, comparable other French players because you know you have to compare based on where they were born. <laughs> But it, it took a look at um, Kobo versus like Frankie Nick, Nick, Nicotine, because I cannot say that name, um, Tony Parker, Nicholas Batum, Evan Fournier. And he's got very comparable stats. I mean, per 40, he was 20, a little over 20 points, uh, just under seven assists. Turnovers were a little high at a little over four. 
Um, but he's shooting 54%, 38% from three, over 80% from the line. Um, these are really good numbers. These And it could be a nice diamond in the rough that we find to be that piece to either either take up that backup point guard kind of microwave guy off the bench or maybe even possibly develop into um, a guy who can really be a potential starter in the league. I mean, you're looking at guys on this list like Tony Parker, Batum, Fournier, all guys who are considered have been perennial starters in this league and his stats are very comparable coming out of similar, like a similar league. So hopefully that translates and fingers crossed that um, McDonough uh, hit a home run. Oh, Kobo shot, like I said, about 38% from three point range last year. I, I, I saw this report that said, had he not had so many heaves, he would have shot like 44%. So we've got oh, yeah. that too. Yeah. No, I didn't really hear that, but at any rate, <laughs> no, I, I like the Okobo pick. Um, he's, he's, like you said, could very well be one of those diamonds in the rough. When you look at the the background that Okobo has and saw online as well that he was kind of a late bloomer when it came to the game, so there could be a lot more room for development and growth there. And with Kakashkov being the type of coach that's known as you know a developmental coach, a coach that succeeds at developing players, this might be the perfect situation for uh, you know this this young kid. And and he's actually. Compared to the other rookies the Suns have had as of late, he's not really that young because he's going to be 21, I think, later this year sometime. Uh, but again, in light of the the fact that he was a bit of a late bloomer, perhaps there is uh, you know a higher ceiling there than you would anticipate with a 31st pick. And you kind of look at it too and think, well, what if he would have stuck around a year? Maybe he would have been top 20 into the lottery next year. Who knows? But uh, at, at, at 31... I don't see any reason why you know you wouldn't you wouldn't take a shot at this guy and you know at that point there were I, I want to say a couple more guys that the Suns have been linked to that were still on the board uh, but obviously Akobo was the one that they ended up going with and I'm I'm again based on what I'm seeing in in this report that we've been looking at uh, very excited to see what he can do a during summer league and b uh, if he gets integrated into the team at all this year and gets playing time and whatnot obviously that's going to depend on some of the offseason moves but. If so, what kind of impact he can have, what kind of flashes he's able to show. Because you know, while we're at this point, like we've talked about that, uh, the timeline's taking this next step forward, it's not exactly going to be you know, a 30-win improvement, I don't think, uh, you know, from not last season this to this year. upcoming Maybe season. Maybe next year. <laughs> so yeah, there you go, when, when a Kobo starts to truly blossom. But again, the, the turnovers are a bit of a concern, especially if you're having this kid come in as a point guard. But you know, from what we've been seeing online about him, he shows some flashes of good court vision, and it's really just a matter of him, you know, refining his game, getting perhaps a little bit more discipline when it comes to what types of passes he's trying to make, what kind of you know looks he's having in terms of his open uh, teammates, and again, with the, the the developmental type coach that we now have with the Suns, uh, perhaps that's exactly what Akobo needs to kind of clear that hurdle reduce those turnovers and and you know blossom into a true point guard in the NBA and one that's going to be very serviceable. Uh, and and notwithstanding the turnovers he had per 40, uh, he still had a fairly decent assist ratio, I believe the second highest in that list of people that that you were talking about earlier Paul. Again, perhaps some improvement over the next 
few months over the next year or the next couple of years will allow him to blossom into that type of point guard that the Suns have desperately been looking for. And I'm happy, frankly, they didn't reach for at 16. Right, yeah. I mean, when you're drafting that in that second round, you're kind of drafting for fit a little bit more. And I think this is the guy who, obviously, the Suns had addressed their big man, and they addressed some of that, that defense and shooting that they needed. So the other need that they, right off the bat, that they know they needed was a point guard. I mean, how many point, different point guards did we have start games last season? 47, I think. All of them. All, All the, point the point guards, guards in the world. <laughs> All the point guards. So, And none of them really solidified their position as the point guard of the future for the Sun. So, I mean, taking another shot with a guy can't hurt because, I mean, I don't know how many of the guys who are on the roster, quote, on the roster right now are really going to stay around who are at that point guard position. So might sure. as well reload it. Sure, and I think you look at Okobo too, and even if he doesn't develop into that quintessential point guard, a distributor that you'd like to see, especially when you have a guy like Booker out there and other guys who you're anticipating are going to be effective scorers in the NBA like Jackson, like Ayton, there's some chatter that, well, he obviously already has the ability to score. He's a good shooter uh, and has shown that he can put up points. If that translates in the NBA, then perhaps worst-case scenario, you get a you, you have that microwave that you kind of have coming off the bench like you referenced that can give your offense immediately kick in the butt and get some points on the board Uh, one reference that i heard earlier today was you know jamal crawford who came into the nba initially as a point guard when he was drafted and then just turned into this microwave off the bench that that's you know your super six man that can come in and still put up a significant amount of points and, and and be effective as a scorer even though they've transitioned away from that role of a point guard that they had coming into the league. I guess we could also address the fact that Ulis, what does this mean for Ulis? Um, with regards to Ulis, I just am under the assumption that he will be around at least one more year. Strictly because if I were the Suns, I want to make sure Booker is signed on that dotted line before I ship off his best friend. I don't want to piss <laughs> him off. So, I mean, I, I think Booker does understand the game. He understands the business of it as well, too. And I think he's realistic enough that he's like, yeah, he's kind of on – Ulysses uh, is on the fringe of the roster and may be a sacrifice for something else because Booker does want to win. And unfortunately, that may mean cutting his friend. But I'm ho- I'm thinking he'll be around one more year. I know he was starting to kind of put some stuff together later in the season last year. And I think because I think he had finally gotten over an injury that he had. I think there was it wasn't it wasn't major, but it was causing some issues. But he really started to kind of put together and kind of become that guy who we had seen a little bit the year before when he was a rookie when they kind of shut down Bledsoe and whatnot. So there may be still it may still be a, a possibility that he does turn into something. I mean, being that he is as small as he is and whatnot the NBA game is very different and he needs to kind of figure out how to fit into that and how to maximize his strengths and minimize his weaknesses to be effective. And it may just take that third year. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's still around, but at the same time, if they need to make the right move, I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone either. I, I know I had way to take, way to take a stand, Paul. 
That's what I love about you, man. If I had to pick, I expect him to be on the team. There you go. That's what I like to hear. So, okay. Then how about the rest of the draft? Any other thoughts? I It was a fun draft. I mean, there weren't any, like, blockbuster trades like there were last year, like when Jimmy Butler was traded in the middle of the draft. Like, you didn't really – weirdly, you didn't really see any players traded. Like, that actually kind of surprised mm-hmm. me. Oh, like – the only moves that were made, I mean, obviously there's the Dwight Howard trade yesterday, or was that this morning? It doesn't matter. Dwight, <laughs> How- Dwight, Howard's, Dwight Howard is a net for the next couple of days until he's bought out. Um, and that was kind of it from a player movement standpoint. That, that actually, in hindsight, I hadn't even really thought about it. That kind of surprised me that there wasn't any type of player movement in the draft. Um, the But otherwise, there were some it was some interesting storylines. Watching uh, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, fall down the draft was interesting to watch, just kind of particularly from the Suns' perspective because you're looking at a team that was interested in that player and cons- was thinking about considering trading up for him Start. You're starting to look at like, is he going to fall that we don't even need to worry about trading up for him? Mm-hmm. But I mean, that obviously didn't happen. But I'm honestly probably happier with the end result of Mikael Bridges over Michael Porter Jr. Just because of, you don't have the medical risk, right? You, I mean, MPJ obviously has uh, an incredibly high upside, but at least with Mikael Bridges, presumably we know exactly what we're getting. Right. Right. At least he can contribute immediately in some way. Michael Porter Jr., the team may not clear him to play till who knows. Right. Um, Yeah, there's there's been chatter out there about him sitting out this year, actually. Right. Just really make sure to get it it all lined up right. Yeah, Um, and going back to to the whole McDonough and his job thing, hmm, that – could be a whole not, another reason. Well, even if Porter fell to them, maybe they wouldn't have taken him. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, I mean, honestly, I think the biggest story, the, the biggest enjoyment I think most anybody had watching the draft was uh, Woj. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there was this edict that came down from the NBA trying to avoid um, tipping picks and apparently they're brought uh between espn yahoo and turner um those networks um and websites and whatnot had all agreed to not tip picks you know because they're broadcast partners with the league um that ended about the third pick right (laughs) and Woj figured out a loophole that he didn't actually expressly say that any team was will be picking X player, but you busted out his thesaurus and found other, other unique ways to say that a team is strongly interested in a pick. Um, I don't think he, anything ever changed. I don't think I ever saw him like change any of them. They're all right on. And then at a certain point, Shams was just like, screw it. (laughs) They are taking this pick. Yeah, well, maybe that's what Gambo was doing. He's like, I can't say who they're going to pick, so I'll just say who they're not going to no, pick G- or what G- trade's Gambo not going to happen. Gambo was just straight up saying Yeah, it. I know. <laughs> I was kidding, Paul. Thank you. 
much appreciated. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I thought that was pretty creative by Woj, and it was funny. And hey, anything somebody that everybody that pays attention to basketball follows on Twitter can do to make it a little bit more fun. Hey, why not? Right. So, all right. I think that pretty much wraps up this particular episode of fanning the flames. We've covered the suns. We've covered a little bit of outside of the suns when it comes to the draft. I do, do want to talk about George King or did we just <laughs> oh, yeah. talk about George King? Well, well, I mean, we, they drafted George King, the end. I don't know that we need to say much more <laughs> about him. I, 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 I I'm a U of A guy. I watch Pac-12 basketball, and I couldn't really, for the life of me, remember a whole lot of George King from the games that I watched. So, uh, you know, congratulations to George King for getting drafted, but that's all I really have to say about that. I do want to make sure we continue to do our little thing of giving shout-outs to people. Uh, oh, yeah? This week, uh, yeah, this week I, I, I've got a special shout-out that I want to do that I don't – it's not an iTunes rating, although – if you're listening, hop on iTunes, rate and review, and we may read your reviews on this particular podcast. Five stars. Have as many stars you want. I'm good. Nope, but five stars. This it helps, week, helps ranking. This week, <laughs> the special shout-out goes to our two biggest fans, Dan Conway and Bench Splinters over on Bright Side of the Sun. Thank you guys for your continued support. Much appreciated. Right, Paul? Yes. <laughs> yes. Very true. Our, all right, so since we're all set here, we'll wrap this up. And as always, you can catch me on Twitter at so says Jay and Paul at Dervish of World, and you can follow the pod for our random once every two weeks tweets at Fan the Flames NBA. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. And as always, depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. We go and sizzler. We go and sizzler.